On episode 114, I'm delighted to be joined by 2022 Kerry LGFA captain Anna Galvin. In this episode, we discuss kicking and skills, preparing for an all Ireland final, Kerry LGFA switching to the Navy shorts, Division 1 football, what is the next step for Kerry, and so much more. I thoroughly enjoyed chatting with Anna, so I hope you get something from the episode. Okay, hi Anna. Thanks so for joining me on the podcast. I think we've been talking for nearly a year now trying to get this date and, and trying to get it recorded. <laughs> I know, we're, there's a lot of back and forth to finally get a, a time that we were both free to do this. Um, it's January time, it's the end of the month. You're, you've gone, uh, started the league. It's two, two from two wins. Um, this is obviously a great start for, for 2023, moving up to Division 1. Yeah, definitely. Jeez, we got off to... Um, a decent start against Waterford, as in probably the performance wasn't great and conditions. It's January football. Conditions aren't great at the minute, but um, we still managed to hold on to a win, a one-point win away from home last weekend and this weekend. So, you know, we're um, actually, I'd say, probably top of the table with Galway now. So always nice to be kind of in a decent position, starting out really hard when you're putting the back foot. And if you lose a couple of games, it can be really, really hard to gather momentum and get back on I suppose winning terms um so it definitely takes a little bit of the pressure off but probably not exact not ideal performances but you're like that's that's January football isn't it exactly you you went all the way obviously with competition last year got to the Ireland final it's a long year long season between the off season let's say this point when does the hunger come back you know to kind of come back into it does it ever leave are you you know when you take that bit of time off obviously there's club championship but uh, are you kind of starting to rare and to go straight away does it take a bit of time to get back into it where what's it kind of like after the season coming into January I think it definitely varies from person to person some people are able to play club championship take a week or two off and turn around and go again um and it probably varies as well depending on how many years you've been playing and whether you've taken a break in the interim and things like that uh for me as well and I know for um the likes of Caught Lynch we were afforded a bit more time because we obviously were commuting up and down from Dublin to Kerry all last year so the lads in fairness to them we're very good last year with managing all of that and managing our load, managing our commute and stuff. And then uh, when it came back to coming in this year, it had been it had been a pretty like mad year last year. It was unreal. Like it was I still can't believe, you know, how phenomenal it was. And we just were that we fell that bit short. But that all like there was so much there was so much emotion, whether that was always like some of it was positive and some of it was negative and a lot of it was draining. Um, so yeah, definitely it varies. And we were, I was given kind of until right up until, um, after Christmas, more or less. And whereas other girls were back a little bit earlier, but it, it does, it takes it kind of, you know, at the turn of November into December, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm like ready to go again now. I don't know whether I would have been able to go back in November when other players were kind of starting to pick up the boots again and get stuff get the ball rolling um for the season ahead um I think I needed that extra bit of time but that is totally dependent on I suppose each person's situation as well so 
for me, I was glad. Do you know when your kind of time is going on and you're kind of thinking, God, how are we going to go again? And then suddenly you start, you start to miss it a little bit, then you start to miss it a lot. And you're like, all right, okay, I'm very ready to come back now, which is always the way you want to be coming back into the season. Completely. And what what is it for you? What drives you to play for Kerry? You know, is it the girls? Is it the playing high level football? I always, I'm always interested with everyone's individual sort of motivation. What is it for you that drives you to, to play for Kerry? Um, God, yeah, probably a lot of it, in fairness, so much of it does come down to the team that you're playing with and the environment that you're entering into, you know, when you're stepping out day in, day out onto the training pitch, you want to be stepping out with girls that you like being around and things like that. So the team we have at the moment are so driven and so enthusiastic. And I think we all get on very well. Obviously, we we have our <laughs> we have our moments and things like that, as you would in any team. But no, we get on great and um, that's a huge part of it. I think as well then you go around our team and there's not a single person on it that isn't fiercely competitive. There's, I don't don't know what it is. I don't know whether it was our upbringing or whether we were just kind of brought up enjoying sports or um, yeah, I don't know how you, how you, I suppose, instill competitiveness in somebody, but it's how we all are and I think we just are keen to be playing at like you said at the top level you want to play to the very very best and then you want to win at the very very top level um so yeah I think that's we all have all have that kind of mad competitiveness in us yeah it's kind of interesting the way Gaelic football across men and men and women and even down into county or to club um level how the mindset and the kind of what am I trying to say like it's become so I suppose it's evolved a lot from maybe 20 years ago where it's a bit of commitment two or three days a week now it's basically professional training with but it's an amateur sport can you describe the mindset um like what it takes to be an inter-county footballer away from the physical attributes that you need to obviously perform on the pitch but those psychological or that mental edge that that players have nowadays when you look across to your teammates or I know you went to UL or when you're looking to your competitors is there like is there certain mindset traits that you need to have away from being able to kick the ball out of the ball and, and play football? Um, yeah, there, there definitely are. Um, but it's not that those aren't necessarily, you can learn them, like you definitely can learn them. And lots of them are traits like, you know, like I said, kind of hunger and competitiveness and things like that. And those sort of things are generally a part of a person's personality. Like a lot of, I'd be very competitive across the board, not just in sport. <laughs> um, but then there are like huge skills that you need to be able to learn and like, discipline is not something that is a necessarily a trait you can learn how to be disciplined and that is a huge one um you have to be able to stick to a routine and and create and form habits uh like motivation you know when we were coming back onto the pitch this year you're kind of thinking look I'm really motivated because obviously got to the all in the final last year looking forward to the year ahead it's you know always that bit positive but motivation only gets you so far you have to be able to like get habits in place and and build from there because motivation will dwindle and you need to just have routines there so um if you can be disciplined enough to form them I think that's a huge thing and I think that like that's one thing that everybody on our team does and everyone at inter-county level does like my life when I'm training and playing is 
<laughs> it's it's pretty boring. Well, it's predictable. It's certainly it's predictable. Um, like I know it's all very much so planned out. Like we're looking ahead, have all the fixtures in for right up until the end of the league. Um, if someone gives me a shout and is like, any chance you're around any weekend, I'll be able to say, <laughs> yeah, I'm around Saturday morning on whatever date. And <laughs> like we're very, I, I suppose you just have to be methodical in your planning and things like that because if you well maybe maybe not everybody is maybe not everybody else does have to be that methodical but for me I need to feel like I can control all these sort of factors like knowing that I can make sure that I can get enough sleep in have time to be able to prepare appropriate food throughout the week um and all of it takes so much time like even just tracking food and things like that to make sure you're getting the right um, protein, macronutrients and nutrients and all that kind of thing. It takes a lot of time. But then also you have to spend time kind of, um, you have to allow time to kind of reflect on the weekend gone, on games and things like that, on training. And uh, I suppose I'd be able to, I, this again, like we worked a lot on and we have a, psychologist or a performance psychologist in LinkedIn with us as well which is so helpful that she's put loads of the groundwork in place for us and we can just take what she tells us and kind of make it our own but like we do work on kind of reflecting on weeks gone by and what has ha what has been good and what needs improving and you have to work that into your weekly schedule as well so I suppose there is a mindset to it but so much of it is like I said it is just about predictability and kind of being disciplined in your routines and habits mm -hmm. a lot of people obviously at intrinsic level have to do this but a lot of them also have to do another level which like yourself you're traveling you live in Dublin you're traveling down to Kerry what's like that's obviously a balance in itself never mind trying to play high level sport on top of it when you're going through kind of those weeks and you're reflecting and you're making sure you know whether it's your mental well-being or your physical well-being because it's such a long travel time say like are there red flags that you look for that says geez I might have to slow down here I might have to have a conversation with the coach or the physio or the SNC coach is there any kind of predictable factors that you look at and say geez I'm I'm not 100% here maybe I should tone down this or that or when do you know you're kind of running low maybe for example um so yeah sometimes it's easier to tell than others sometimes it's hard to tell and we do push ourselves to a little bit too far and um sometimes I think you're probably running along in a season and you just keep going you don't you keep going and you're kind of saying when do you slow down and sometimes it's better if you don't slow down because if you slow down <laughs> you might get going again but no no definitely like I think it's that's something that was I I think over the last like two or three years I've really worked on is um making so thinking about have I had time to do stuff outside of football because geez like yes we're playing football and it is like you said it's on it's on elite level and it's not just training two three times a week like a huge amount of time goes into it but we can't let all of our time go into it so you have to make the most of the day off here and there like one of your weekend days is nearly always going to be free and try I always try to keep my but this weekend it happened to be a Sunday normally it's a Saturday and I always try to just make sure that I'm seeing people like seeing spend time with family and doing stuff outside of football and I'm just you know doing 
things that I love doing that is that helps me to switch off that is absolutely nothing related with this with football and sport because yes you have to be real tuned in like I was saying but also if you keep if you go like that for the whole season it's not sustainable um and you will burn out some people are magicians and don't seem to get to that point but that's certainly how it is for me so um like for instance our game was on Saturday this weekend so I rarely enough I'm up in Dublin at the weekend with so today just did touristy things actually went to like Glass Nevin Cemetery and went to the Botanic Gardens and football doesn't even enter your mind when you're in these places and you know it's nice to be able to switch off like that so then probably red flags is when you, you're not having any time to do that you're not you don't have any time to see your family see your loved ones I have family up in Dublin if I think geez I haven't been down called down to my grandparents and my aunts in um couple of weeks now I make sure that I eke out time for that during the week and stuff like that because those things help to help to keep us keep us well and keep us balanced Mm -hmm. when you're going through as you said the season there it's week on week you know with the league and you're going to championship all gets very serious do you get a chance to enjoy it or like what is the enjoyable part for you it's kind of hard when you're balancing work and, and this and you're driving up and down and you've you know you need to make time to do all these things you know that's not football related like what's the do you ever get a chance to just sit there and just enjoy it or wh- what are those moments that you do enjoy um geez yeah even just like sitting in the dress room before or after games or well after if we've won <laughs> but um but like yeah like hang just spending time with the girls and stuff is great fun like and on the bus and you know just just chatting and and being around them is is really lovely like that's like that's what I was saying like that's a huge part of the reason that I do love playing is because we have such a great team and such a great it is such a great environment and then yeah I, I like we I love stepping out onto the pitch and I love playing football so I, I do get huge enjoyment out of that I love the feeling after a hard session and you've survived a hard session and things like that it, it feels great some people don't necessarily like that as in you know that's I suppose that's what separates people who do play into county and then who, who decide not to or um have different priorities and things like that whereas that is it is intense but I love the intensity um so I do we I get to enjoy it in that sense as well um and then like winning always is <laughs> that always, always helps nice. so if you can keep going on a yeah, if you can keep going on a winning run that is great uh it's a little bit more difficult when you're in a bit of a losing rut so hopefully we don't go down that path at any stage this year but no there's there's you just have to kind of enjoy it while you're in it and as well like I'm um 28 soon and I suppose there is like it is a finite uh, your football career is finite and I'm probably more aware of that now than ever um so I'm just trying to make the most of it and just give it my all because I love giving it my all um and putting pour my heart and soul into something so that I do like you get enjoyment out of it that way too yeah, completely. I heard, um, I think it was Keanu Sullivan speak last year and he was talking about when you're in the bubble of Intercounty, yeah. people say, oh, you're making these sacrifices, you know, you're missing weddings and you're missing parties and, you know, that is a big, and you're missing family events, which is a big thing. And remember, I think he said when he retired, he went to a couple of weddings and went to a couple of this and that. And he was like, was this all I'm missing? 
you know it's not for me <laughs> for him like for him it wasn't this big sacrifice whereas to other people like maybe for myself say I would hate to miss you know all these things and it would be a burden but I think when you're at like it sounds like for you that when you're saying it's a finite amount of time that you're playing for Kerry that yes you're making sacrifice you miss family things you don't want to but that's part of the game that's part of why you know you love football so mm. you know you're probably because I asked them before and they said do you, do you feel like you're missing out on the kind of the typical when you're 28 just probably loads of social things going on different things like that you might be missing out on the traditional in air quotes traditional style lifestyle of a 28 year old is that something you're conscious of does it enter your mind does it bother you or are you just kind of happy to play for Kerry um kind of just happy to play for Kerry to be honest I don't know hugely the difference now I did spend I spent a year in Australia and um you kind of yeah Keen like so he said that you live in a bubble and you absolutely do and then when you exit the bubble you kind of forget what it feels like to be in there sometimes and you get on with um living your normal life and going to living yeah the normal kind of going to all those events and things like that and it's all great for a while but yeah there's I feel like there's something there was there's something missing in that way as opposed to like when I'm um like even that year was was so good to get away and I loved being in Australia it was absolutely class but there was always something in the back of my mind where I was like oh I don't know am I missing something here whereas when I'm playing football and I'm not getting to those social events it never enters my mind that there's something missing um it just I suppose it's just a given that I know I'm not going to be at them so I don't feel like I'm missing anything and then also my friends and family have become so aware of what I probably will and won't be at and they take no heed whatsoever and I do try to go to things and and that kind of stuff and you just you're just sensible you leave early and you you just are the designated driver or whatever it might be but um I it I think you can still be present and still enjoy the certain aspects of it in fairness but in a different way um yeah it's funny I like I was saying I I feel I felt more so that I was missing out on something when I had all all of the events and stuff and it's probably just because of the way um I'm tuned like we tune in during the season you just tune that stuff out then yeah yeah I know what you mean you're nearly more popular then when you are playing football because they know you can you can give them all a lift home it's the way on the way home <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're not coming out Anna. <laughs> um, yeah. for, you, for you growing up like when you look back you're 28 now when you look back to when you were a teenager or even younger is this the dream is this like if I had gone back to maybe seven-year-old eight-year-old Anna and said you're going to be playing for Kerry last year you were captain you got to the All-Ireland final you won division two is would you have said oh my god that's all I've wanted is that was that for you growing up was that just what you wanted to do what you dreamt of um every day yeah, even when you, um, even when you listed there and say like you're the Catholic carry, you're playing in Crow Park and things like that, it still gives me butterflies now. Like that's still the dream now, even. Um, so yeah, no, definitely, and probably, probably when I started playing with Kerry teams initially, I was like about uh, it was fourteen. I was under fourteen when I played first, and um, then I kind of realize that geez I might be I like I could give this Kerry thing a bit of a go and I was kind of really excited to get I was kind of surprised I was really surprised to get on the Kerry team actually when I was under 14 and then I started making 
the starting team pretty regularly and I've been called up a level and things like that, which is kind of common with a lot of like the team that exists now. We always would have been playing up a bit, up a level and stuff. And um, yeah, I, I suppose it was only then throughout my teenage years, I was like, geez, this whole Kerry senior thing is, you know, that it sort of kind of came into focus then. I probably didn't really think about it hugely when I was a whole pile younger. Um, but during the teenage years, I was like, thought it was I suppose it was tangible at that point and I was like oh my god that would be amazing imagine that and my cousin played for Kerry so I was looking up to her um Deirdre Carden um so I had and and loads of you know amazing Kerry footballers came from Southern Gales um you know way back as as far as like Marie um she's Marie Tian now but her she she was Marie Fitzgerald at the time and uh, she would have been playing and winning all Ireland's during the golden era <laughs> and her niece is playing with me now and you know this, our club I suppose is is steeped in amazing footballers all the way down through and I was lucky to be looking up to them so um, yeah it probably was a dream I didn't think I'd be someone who would be captaining the team ever always I think everybody kind of dreams of those sort of moments and walking up the steps of Crow Park and things like that as a a bit of a pipe dream but it, I was very fortunate that that would happen to be my reality last year so um yeah no it was it's kind of it's still surreal it still gives me butterflies <laughs> yeah no I'd say so and I heard before I think it was another podcast you were saying that you were actually called in late to was it under 14 you were a couple of yeah. weeks late during the podcast yeah. Yeah, a couple of the girls went to the trials and I don't, I don't know, I didn't really know about them. Do you know, back, back then we didn't really use their phones half as much and um, I, they just saw I, the management team, I think, were just going around to club games and then I got called in and they had done a load of training at that stage and I sort of landed in a couple of weeks before the first game <laughs> and then I snuck away onto the, to the team, so um it's funny like that season probably could have easily enough just gone by the wayside for me and I was really lucky like I live in the back of beyonds of Kerry um down in Caradania like we're we are so remote and I'm really lucky that my mom was she was so good to me as in she drove the length and breadth of the county for her little under 14 year old her 14 year old daughter to play a bit of football like as in and I know par- like parents do these things for their children, but it was, um, yeah, like I literally would not be playing football for Kerry now if it wasn't for for my parents. So I was very fortunate that they were so supportive. But when you mentioned there you were surprised and, you know, you didn't expect it and you say you snuck onto the panel, there's a reason why they asked you in and that you, they asked, you know, you made your way onto the team. Was that just a bit of lack of confidence growing up? Did you suffer with that? Was it a bit of lack of belief or what was, when you say surprise, was that, you know, what was the kind of reason for that? Um, Maybe just, no, I don't necessarily know if it was a huge lack of confidence or anything, but probably a bit of, like, it's, I obviously know that I was a decent footballer and, they I probably just I suppose a lack of insight into how useful that, that could be getting onto the carry team or whatever it might be and I think as well the lads that I was playing with you know they wouldn't be too long taking you down a peg or two as well <laughs> so, so they built they've in fairness I owe them I've mentioned the lads a couple of times that I would have been like in class my class with my classmates and things like that and that I'd have obviously been playing with um in my age group and 
yeah, they they definitely made they definitely made me tough. They used to um I think they used to be annoyed that I was better than them sometimes and they'd do what they call Tyrone style on me. I should I should be saying this, but they'd be surrounding me and they'd just be hitting me nearly and and taking the ball off me and we were like 13 years old like 12 13 years old and so I definitely owe some of my toughness to them I'd say <laughs> um and probably just didn't think that I don't know I don't think it was, there was a huge lack of confidence or a lack of belief or anything it was just something that I hadn't even considered until I started getting onto the team and started and kind of realized that there was this whole other world a whole another level that you could go to yeah Yes, you probably didn't realize the talent was there till you're about maybe fifteen or sixteen. Even. Yeah. Okay. Probably, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. And what's the most fun part of the journey? Like when you, I've heard other people speak before, and I found with underage football, like I never played for intercounty, or whatever. But underage, I find was just so much fun. When you look back, was was is underage yeah. intercounty more fun than senior, or is it just completely different? Or what's the most fun part of the journey when you're going up through the age ranks up to, you know, when you're twenty eight. Um, yeah, I suppose like I still have mad memories of going away. I think it was, I think it actually was under 14 that there was, there used to be, I don't know if it still is in existence, but there used to be this blitz um, every year and the teams, different counties would, when we did it anyway, it was in Kildare, I think. And uh, so we'd travel and we'd stay overnight and we were only under 14 and we were a whole team of us going away. And we used to have like mad cracks or like, if you're doing any of the stuff now, we were up, you we used to be running the hallways of the hotels until <laughs> until all hours in the morning and stuff. Um, and a couple of the girls that we played football with growing up through the years, we were we got very close. And like there was always the same group going up through because you're um progressing because you're like it's a two year window, like on 14, 16, 18. You're with the same team all the time. So you become so close. And like some of the girls just mad and like we'd be do you know what? If I was looking back and looking at a team like of under 14 year olds or under 15 year olds, 16 year olds having food fights and stuff now, I'd be like, ah, for God's sake, lads. But we used to be reckless for that kind of stuff. And we used to just have great fun. Like we were probably, you know, awful doses to be, <laughs> to be taken away. But um, yeah, it was just kind of mad. Like, and then um, I don't even remember. Like, I remembered like certain aspects of training growing up and uh, but so much of it was like the bus journeys and things like that when we were younger and then when we started getting a bit older it was kind of I suppose turned a little bit more serious and kind of the enjoyment switched more so to do the game day and the prep for game day and the getting ready to mark whoever and and you do get enjoyment out of that too now and obviously the priorities again they switch very much so when you start going up through the ranks obviously um and we thankfully matured enough to stop having food fights <laughs> but um yeah it, it was you know we just had such a lovely bunch and like if I met any lots of them don't play actually like from the my age group only a really small amount of us are still playing like um Neve Carmody would have been at the same age group as me. Um, I'll probably forget someone now. Megan Connell, who stepped away last year, would have been another kind of key one. But there was like, and Eilish Lynch was a little bit older. She was like just one year year, year ahead of me. So we used to overlap every kind of second year. Um, but like other than that, there's like 
the group that I was with is kind of gone and they're I, like they're all unbelievable footballers you need to come up against them in club you're like geez <laughs> I'll have a tough day out here kind of thing um and just for different reasons people have to step away or don't continue on and things like that but it was just yeah class a class crew at the time when you're I think it was was it 2012 you were 16 17 going into your first all Ireland final yeah 17 yeah, yeah. W- what's that like being first of all being called up to the senior panel being involved but to make it to an all Ireland final when you're again as you said that was your dream to be involved in those the biggest days of the year what's that like as a teenager to be in school one day and be going into Crow Park the next um yeah that was a mad right you feel very young going up to Crow Park I suppose because I um, I suppose because I kind of was so new into the team and the team was like real strong and kind of, you know, there's always, you're, you kind of know the team is nailed down. So I kind of knew I, that I didn't have much chance of getting onto the pitching pro park. So I just had kind of just tried to enjoy the, the warm up and stuff. And um, it was a bit, it was just a bit, to be honest, it was probably a little bit overwhelming. I don't remember huge amounts of, of the game or anything like that. Um, I sort of remember the war. I do remember the warm up, and I remember going down to the sideline to warm up at one stage and stuff like that. Um, but probably a bit overwhelming, and probably my focus was on was less on the game than it should have been. Um, and when I went in initially to the to the care team, like well, it was a bit daunting. I won't lie, you know, it's hard to step up to that level. You suddenly become um like when you're going up through the underage ranks you're I guess a big fish in a small pond and then very very quickly that flips to you being a small fish in a much bigger pond with a lot of big fish in it um so yeah it that's you know it's naive to say or it's you know it'd be silly to say that that's not a little bit daunting but um no it, it was class because like like I was saying, loads of my club mates had been on the Kerry team growing up as well. So I did have, like I had my cousin there at the time, at time and Caroline Kelly and Megan O'Connell were all in there and um, couple, the Coronan sisters, like there was huge, there was a load of, of Southern Gales people. So that was, that was nice. Um, And myself and my friend, Amy Fitz, actually Amy Fitzgerald who played basketball as well. She, but she, uh, the two of us went in at the exact same time so even when we were a little bit like ah oh, what's happening we kind of we had each other um but yeah it's funny like when I think about that all Ireland versus the one just gone it's chalk and cheese like it's, it's it was just so different it was, they were kind of worlds apart um but yeah what what would, what advice would you give whether there might be someone listening or more so let's say you know I'm coming into the Kerry setup for the first time and I'm I'm maybe 17 or 18 coming up from minor and you know I've you know I'm gone from as you said the the, sm- the big fish in a small pond to a small fish in a big pond mm-hmm. what advice do you give to the younger players coming up or they don't have to be young they can just be you know they can be someone in their mid-20s but this is their first senior intercounty call up what what advice do you give them if you get a chance to to speak with them what or if there's anyone listening that you know that wants to learn or whatever what would be the biggest you know piece of advice that you gave that maybe you wish you knew back then um I suppose just to remember that you're you're there for a reason like you're there because you're good enough and like I said I kind of knew that I wasn't necessarily going to get on the pitch that time but um you know 
something that we at training when we're you know pushing each other at training and things like that even now the lads are always saying you know make each other better make her better come on Anna tackle harder make her better whoever I'm tackling whatever it is and so probably that is a huge thing like even because I know when I step out and I've got like one of the new girls into the panel market me I they're they're there to prove their prove their point and say that like I'm here as well now and I'm in here for a reason and do remember that you are in there for a reason you're you're well good enough to be there and then um I suppose just push whoever it is you're marking to their limit you work as hard as you possibly can and you will be making yourself better but also the person you're marking better and that ultimately impacts on the team no matter what happens then that season you have contributed massively to the team um so that's why that's why it's a team sport like that's why it's not about 15 people on the pitch it's about like the 40 30 whatever panel uh because if we have you know two or three people who aren't working hard in training that's impacting negatively on whoever that they're marking so just a reminder that yeah first of all never forget that you're there for a reason you're there because you're good enough and then just to when you are training try to be the best that you can be mm-hmm. yeah that's a really good advice when you mentioned the the final the two finals being chalk and cheese even the style of football and the standard of ladies football that sort of 10-year evolution of the game what's been the biggest evolution for you as a player to see whether it's on the pitch or off the pitch what's been the biggest difference for you when you look you know through the 10 years obviously there will be a bit of let's say year maturing but even the style of play what's been the biggest difference you think over the 10 years um yes well so first of all on the field style of play i think yeah like i said it's it's become so physical um it it's become like you you need to be athletic and i wish the rules would catch up a little bit with that um at the moment like we're training really hard we're putting in you know matters s and c in the gym we all work to be really strong but it's very frustrating then when you get out into the pitch and sometimes it's brilliant it's mar- it's repped from, from what i would perceive as very well in that game they're left go and like l- the play is left to develop um and then it, it's very frustrating when it's real stop start and s- small little fouls are being called because and look, technically, like it's really difficult on the referees because technically at the moment, the rules do say that like it's <laughs> they call it a non-contact sport, like which is a joke. It's very frustrating. Um, So we all know that it's such a it's a way better spectacle um, when it is the game is left develop. And when it's, not only is it a better spectacle to watch, but it's better to play like we love it's so good to play that then and so free flowing and that's when you can enjoy it um so there's been a huge there has been a shift towards more physicality and hopefully the rules will catch up um and might be changed a little bit so that we can have it that it's consistent that that physicality is across the board as opposed to at the moment it's up to kind of the referee's interpretation of the rule and how free-flowing they kind of want it to be and then um off the pitch as well uh there's been huge strides in in like facilities in what we're afforded in terms of like food getting food after trainings and things like that um I remember when I started that time when when we were in the All-Ireland 
in 2012, the players, we used to do a rota. So like we do a rota of bringing sandwiches to training. So one player would make like the sandwiches for the team or whatever, just so that people weren't going home hungry. And you'd end up doing it like once, maybe twice a year. So it worked well, but like now we actually have like, we've hot food and it's prepared and it's done for us and things like that. Um, And then access to pitches over the last year or two has gotten much better in terms of like all last year we played all our home games in Fitzgerald Stadium, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And like, you know, there was no question about us getting into Crow Park. We got into Crow Park for semi-finals as well as the finals and hopefully that kind of keeps to keeps expanding and all that makes such a huge difference it means that when we get to the big days and we do end up on in these bigger stadiums people don't implode like teams don't implode and we're used to it and there's you know the capacity is there for better recordings of the games but more people to be able to attend it'd be more of an event and get um people out there and interested and watching um but I think there is still huge strides that need to be taken in that like even this year there was there's a question mark as to whether we'll get into either Fitzgerald Stadium or Stax Park for all home games which is so disappointing like we're in division one and we're still you know, after last year when we had gotten in there all the time, I so the league. I know the league structure has changed and a lot more games, and it is difficult when you've um four codes playing in one county, and they are. I understand they are technically GAA. They no, they, they are GAA grounds, but it, it is frustrating when you can when you like kind of you're you are treated like second class in your county, um. So huge positives have been taken in that area, um, but I see so much has yet to go, like so much more to come. Um, I thought like even, you know, it's so nice. Like I know at halftime of the games that were on in Crow Park, like the semifinals and finals and things like that this year gone, there was the mini games at halftime and you've the girls teams playing against girls teams and boys teams are there as well and they're playing on the same pitches and they're getting ready in the same facilities and I just would love for those girls to grow up with that being their norm that no matter what at no stage throughout their teenage years and into their 20s or their playing years or whatever that the discrepancies stop being a thing that there's just you know it is it is level par and it probably will be those young girls like that are, I don't know what age they were, 10, 12. It probably will be them that will before, you know, we don't have any discrepancies or, um, you know, kind of up through the, the age grades. But if we just need to keep narrowing that gap um, and keep fighting for it, which is so important. But yeah, there, there have been huge strides in the last 10 years. Absolutely. I, we've kind of discussed this a good few times in the episode, so I won't delve too deep into it, but it's actually, it's probably nearly an episode in itself, but there are a lot of moving parts. And obviously with the the GA or the Centre of Excellence last year with Louise's picture being on it and mm. you not getting access, like it is, as you say, because it's the separate organisations and technically it is a GA facility, so, and the LGFA is a separate organisation, but hopefully that'll all be 
sorted at some point. But I was um, really happy to see at the start of the year. I think a couple of counties have fallen in as well behind us. Mayo and I think Tipperary, they might have done last year. But the shorts that you guys wear mm. now, match day, are now black. Just talk a little bit about that, what it's like as a player to kind of make that change. I know a lot of other counties have done it in the past or, or clubs, a lot of Dublin clubs are, are the same with the with the kind of, let's say, a darker short just for girls. Yeah. But what's that like as a player as well to see that change this year? Yeah, like it's just another positive step, isn't it? And um, it's, it's it's a small thing, like it is a small thing. But then if you're stressed about that on game day, if you're stressed about leaking or whatever it is when you have your period, it is that is an unnecessary stress on you. So if you can just take that away from yourself um, or away from a team, isn't that a positive? So that, you know, people can just focus on playing the game um, and doing what they need to be able to do on game day. And that's just one less thing to have to think about. There's and and it just means, you know, yeah, it is. It's just one less thing to be kind of as a distraction or anything like that. And um and focus can be on what is important on the day of games or training and things. There's still like you know it's there's challenges with that regardless of what color the shorts are and and so on. Um, but it's good to be in you know that there's the conversation around it. There's still even in terms of that though there's still um like stadiums or or any club grounds or pitches in general are set up for men and like it's rare enough to have um dressing rooms that have sanitary bins and stuff like that in the toilets like that is rare uh like even in the stadium in fixture stadium i don't think there there often weren't um for a little while i think last year then they're they they were brought in because we were in there so so often which is good like that's they should just be there but even in our, at the weekend when we were playing Mayo, they weren't there. Um, and like that's, you know, if they're not even in our centres of excellence, if they're not in our stadiums, how do we, you know, expect clubs to kind of follow suit and things? So there's still, you know, it's just a bias towards men being in dressing rooms across the board. Um, but at least it's it the shorts has been positive for kind of managing stress and everything around it but also it just brings forth the talking points around the fact that females and males have different things to be concerned about and in a sporting context for female health these things need to be considered for a female sports person there are you know different things to be considered obviously the menstrual cycle is one of those and it is really important that girls are educated around minding themselves with that and and knowing you know how to vary their diet or increase their calorie intake or increase their whatever it might be I, you know like I don't even know enough about it and I've been playing for however many years so there's huge things that still need to happen in terms of supporting females in sport but I think the shorts is a positive step in terms of yeah like I said managing stress but more so as um I suppose an opening for the conversation around you know making sure that we are considering both females and males when it comes to all the sporting conversations yeah that's a really good point in terms of um pre-game routine and even post-game routine I find fascinating like when you get such an adrenaline rush you know during a game let's say even the late training session and you're coming back from the car like is there anything you do routinely maybe after a game or after a session to kind of come down off this massive adrenaline rush and I find even when I train late she's I can't sleep for hours after because I'm just buzzing with energy after you train and if there is there do you find that do you, do you have any way to combat it how do you find it 
Um, uh, not too bad. I I think because I even when we're training at home in Kerry, I have generally an hour, an hour and a half car journey home. So I use it usefully. Like sometimes I just you know sometimes I want a bit of time and I use the time to kind of think about the session for a little while but then I just like to switch off listen to the radio listen to podcasts and I have that kind of downtime on the way home so then when I get home I can just yeah I can just go to bed <laughs> I wish you could into bed at that stage um but it is that is because that's like a learned thing and it's the same before games nine times out of ten I will have a decent bit of a journey to the match venue um so you use that time to kind of tune in not immediately like I wouldn't be trying to tune in for an hour and a half or anything like that because you'd be wrecked before you even start the game but I do have that sort of time where you can kind of okay other things fall away you're just relaxing and then you can kind of start to okay think about the game as you get a bit closer to the venue and then on the way home it's similar okay think about training then as you get a little bit further away from the venue, you start to decompress and just switch off to other things. So it's lovely that I do have that kind of, you know, you have to make the best of those sort of, um, yeah, I have the commutes, you may as well make the most of it. And I use them as kind of time to to decompress and and get switched on. Okay. Are you good at car, um, kind of on the, in the car on the way home, um, compartmentalizing kind of maybe what happened whether it's a match or let's say for example yesterday you know are you good at just when you walk off the pitch leaving the match where it is do you go home and watch it you know how do you how do you deal with that um uh it it can vary a little bit but a lot of the time I won't watch it immediately uh I definitely try to like decompress the next day as much as I can and not think too much about it because Oh, you'd just be wrecked, to be honest. You'd be so tired the day after a game. You'd kind of just be, you'd be physically drained. You'd be tired and things after like all of everything that surrounds the match. Well, so you kind of, you're a bit emotionally drained as well and things. So um, generally it takes me a couple of days to get around to watching those kind of things. But yet would try to watch them um, for the most part. And the lads would be very good for kind of sending on, sending on clips and different bits and pieces that we need to watch. So that's always handy. Um, and then um yeah that's kind of that's probably kind of a big thing and um there's yeah I'm we are so lucky that they do that they take a lot of the work like sorry by they I mean Darren Declan our managers and our management team take a lot of as much as they can off us as well in that they tell us exactly what we need to be watching or send on the clips when we need to they don't uh and they tell us when we need to be training and they have gym sessions ready for us for the week or CAS or SNC would always have that. And, and then as well, they always make themselves available. If we, if we, they wouldn't want us thinking about it for the week either. And if we can't get something off our mind or we need to talk about something, we can touch base with either of our managers or any of our management team. Uh, like we've Geraldine O'Shea there and Marie O'Donoghue both have played and CAS or SNC. Um, and Eric, our new SNC this year, which is brilliant, like we're, that our team is expanding. Uh, but yeah, like we can get onto them at any stage for feedback and they're just so open to it. So if we, and like, as like I said, we have a performance psychology and things like that. So when we do need, to, if we can't decompress from it and we need help with that and we need to chat to somebody to get through whatever it is that we're like, whatever is going on after a game we can always kind of touch base with them which is a huge help and then you can sort of 
park it and move on to the next task at hand. Mm-hmm. Talking about last year, obviously league title went all the way to the Ireland final. What was the goal going into the year? Kind of, if I'd said to you maybe this time last year and said, "Anna, you're going to go on and you're going to first of all you're going to captain the team," um, which I know you've done before in 2020, but um, you're a captain team. You're going to win the league and you're going to make the All Ireland final. What would you have said? Was that obviously that's obviously the goal? And but was that laid out and planned that these are the goals we're going to take, or was it just the momentum just started to build and you just started to kind of find this flow nearly during the year? Um, no, we um we were we asked. It was it was actually put to us at the start of the year and um as to what our what our goal was for the year ahead and I think a lot of us did put down not all of us because like you can understand where the team is coming from too I suppose but you know there were some of us that put down an all around final um and especially the ones who have been around a long time like we're not coming back for the good of our health. <laughs> Uh, we are we aren't but we want we're coming back because we want to win <laughs> all ireland um so yeah loads of us would have been kind of like that but then i definitely would have in my head i definitely would have been like okay obviously an all ireland final is exactly where we want to go and that is where we want to be at the end of this year but i try not to think personally i try not to think too far ahead like as in again this year our goal is all ireland final and we are you know, gunning for that month final, all iron final, etc. But at the moment, all I think about is league. Um, so like last year, my number one priority was to get out of division two because that was our most. That was like what was going to be coming up first for us. Um, so yeah, I definitely go into the year, and I think loads of and like definitely, if anyone had any doubt last year, you know that's been. We have that. We have that belief now across the team for sure. Um, and that's what we set out to do again this year. But I think we are a very good team. I kind of take it step by step and t- going one game at a time. And then when it got to championship stage, we'd obviously been going well. Like we'd won the league and they had been really competitive games and Armagh were fierce in in those games. So we, we did have, you know, your... Sometimes you can be, you might be a little bit kind of nervous thinking, geez, I'm only in Division 2 and now I have to step up to the Division 1 teams when we get in the championship. But we knew that we were playing against equal, you know, teams of equal standard um, as the Division 1 teams with them. But yeah, I think I think then when you get into the championship, because it was so quick, so it was such a quick succession that you're kind of like, geez, we're in the all Ireland final. Suddenly, suddenly we were in the all Ireland final. You're like, wow, <laughs> like when did this happen? Because the, the semi, the corner of the semi and the final all came so quickly. So yeah, like a bit of a combination in that, like there was always the belief that we would get there. But then when we actually were there, we were like, holy sugar, like how did this happen? <laughs> so it was class. And when you mentioned, you, you said before, the preparation for 2012 was obviously very different to last year. How do you prepare for an Iron final when, obviously, I'd say the, I'd say the night of the semi-final, there was great celebrations, but when you when you knuckle down, when you've, you know, you've got a few media duties here and there, how do you prepare for the biggest day of the year? Because when you put it like in black and white, it is the biggest day of the yeah. year, it's where you want to be. So when you're in that position, is it scary? Do you kind of shit yourself? Do you kind of, <laughs> you know, what is it like? Kind of the, the weeks leading up to it. Um, uh... It, no, I th- I think like 
something that we said uh, amongst ourselves was like, there's absolutely no point. There's no point whatsoever saying, oh, you shouldn't be nervous or you can't be nervous and you can't be excited. You have to just focus on training because for God's sake, you're in the all Ireland final. Like I said, it's the biggest day of the year. You're not not going to be nervous. You're not not going to be excited. Um, so we very much so encourage like everybody just embracing it, kind of saying like, Jesus is absolutely unbelievable, like class. But then, um, like we did with the league and all the games throughout the season, we took it back to kind of, okay, what's the next step on the road? And we took it in steps then to the game and then suddenly you're kind of at the game. And so it wasn't a, ah, oh, this is going to be a whirlwind two weeks. Like it was very stepped as well. Like we took it training by training and day by day. And yeah, the media bits and pieces were... um. So like, again, the lads were very good at managing a lot of that. And they kind of got some of the older girls who have been around a while and would be kind of used to that without it taking too much out of us um, to try and do the main media bits. And obviously then as I had a few bits, few bits more to do. And it is, it is tiring. I won't lie. It probably upon reflection, it was a little bit more tiring than I thought it was going to be or thought it had been. Um, and like that's but it's just that's all a learning curve isn't it and like when because I know that then I can like hopefully Shiva will be in this position and we can take um as much of you know the pressure off her as much as possible and like we can I know that it is hard so we can try to help help her out as much as as we can but do you know what saying that about Shifra she's she, that girl now water off a duck she's her. a great she's, head oh, here. Yeah. she's better than all of us so I I don't know why I'm saying it about her, but do you know, in general, yeah, completely. in general, like with teams, it, you know, we've all been there now, so we can kind of help each other out a little bit more um, yeah, and just have that little bit of understanding that that stuff is tiring and that's okay. And just to, you know, maybe take that extra little bit of time to rest, real simple things, but like just practical things like, okay, you're going to have, you have your media day and it's going to be more tiring than your day at work, whether you realize that or not. So just make sure that you have that evening free to relax and just do nothing and switch off because all you're going to be doing is talking about football all day. So just um, kind of tuned into those little things as well. It's always helpful, but um, yeah, yeah. Completely, yeah. No, that's a good point. And even as you said there, obviously you didn't get over the line, but that's one thing, but just to learn from the experience and even learn those little bits about media day, you don't learn it till you're in it, yeah. like till you're, you know, in 2021, you wouldn't have known that. So to go forward into this year with obviously she for taking the lead, I've interviewed her. I think ah. she's, she's, a, she's gas. She's some character. Some um, and like, yeah. And do you think like, let's say on the pitch, um, what's the biggest difference then to get over the line from, from your perspective? You know, what did you learn from the final, from the championship last year? Obviously, even from these two first, you know, first wins in division one, what's going to be the difference to getting over the line whether it's this year or next year or the year after or, or like what is the difference maker to to get up the steps in on 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 Ireland final day um I do think that yeah like the experience definitely goes a long way and like I said we've learned we get we can learn so much from last year the difference then is that like we make sure that we reflect on what we have learned and bring it with us because there's no point going through it and then sort of forgetting about it and not taking heed of it like you have to draw on on what you can um we didn't get over the line so why didn't we and just try to bring those bits forward like two years ago we lost the league final to me actually but we that was our first day out in Crow Park in a long long time so then when we came back around last year 
we were playing against Armagh and we had been in that position already and that stood to us so much like tenfold um so and I think and then and then when we were heading into the the quarters and the semis and things like that we had Pro Park wasn't an elusive as in yeah, it wasn't an elusive place. It wasn't this like place that, geez, oh my God, we're in Crow Park. We all have to, um, you know, panic about that or anything like that. It, it became, it was just a bit more normal. Um, although that's it, that's kind of a silly thing to say as well. Playing in Crow, there's nothing normal about playing in Crow Park ever, but it's less uh, daunting, and you can kind of, I suppose the the excitement of it still exists but it can be more, I suppose, controlled excitement. Um, and you can kind of manage your, your emotions and feelings a little bit better when you have been there. Uh, so hopefully all of that just comes with us and we do, like, I suppose, we're, you know, work on what we, where we fell short and we've kind of identified a lot of that ourselves anyway. And we worked on that together as a team and things like that with the management. So yeah, we'll just... You have to bring the learnings with you, though. If we don't learn, then what, what are we doing? And I know that's what every team is doing. So just to make sure that we put in the hard work then as well. Mm-hmm. What's it like playing alongside Louise Mary Hartley? Is it, I love watching her play. I just think she's just, yeah. she's just a fabulous footballer. But what's it like to actually share the pitch with her? Do you just, even at training, just go, oh my God, that you just look in awe sometimes what she does? Or what's it like being her teammate? Yeah, sometimes like you're just back to, like, I might be like, I don't know, midfield or whatever, and she does something mad. And <laughs> kind of were like, oh, stop, like Louise. Um, and it, do you know what? It, but it's funny though, like, we're so close and we know each other so well at the same time. You're not really in awe. <laughs> she'd hate for us to be in awe around her anyway um but no like it's kind of impossible not to be yeah she's she's class she's just brilliant and she's just such an unassuming person um and she's so ah, uh, she's just such a great teammate but I suppose I don't see her as and now I don't really see her as like Louise Nieberhertig the Kerry superstar she's just she's hurting to us and she's just <laughs> um yeah I don't know it's funny like I, there's no airs of graces no there, not like anymore you, you, not you take her down off the peg do you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um no we know we're very lucky I'm very lucky to get to play alongside her like she's what a baller but um yeah just it just not it's not a thing to be used to but I am I'm used to playing with her now so lucky so fortunate to be lucky to be used to that very good and um, final question before I move on to sideline seven I kind of asked a couple of people this question but I it's kind of people are nearly sick of it but what's the most underrated skill in ladies football at the moment in your opinion is there anything we're overlooking as coaches whether it's underage or senior is there anything you just recognize that you know we don't pay enough attention to we need to develop more yeah um left leg right leg I think when a player and like myself included, I'm not good enough at it, at it all. And when a player can kick off their left leg and right leg, they are so difficult to mark. So it's it's such a huge attribute of somebody if they can do that. And it's just something like we were saying at the start of the show, or the start of the podcast. Um, it's not taught growing up, and I hope that that has changed so that girls are being taught that all the time coming up through the age groups because it just wasn't when we were younger there wasn't enough enough emphasis on it and it's frustrating now to be in a position where you do have to try and learn it um, and work on it 
been working on it, but yeah, 100% left leg, right leg. Okay, very good. We're going to move on to sideline seven. It's the same seven questions at the end of every episode. I think you've listened to the podcast, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anna, so I'm expecting some I'm expecting some good answers. All those I'm journeys in the car. <laughs> um, question one, Anna, what is your favourite quote? Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't know if I can say this. Don't um, don't mess with the big dog who pissed like a puppy. That's a shout out to Kate Keene. She used to she used to say that when we were in in college, and it has resonated with me. So much. She she. I think it's just a case of if you're going to step up, st- do step up. Like if you're brought in, like what we were saying with the with the girls coming into pans and stuff like that. You're there for a reason, so do do what yeah. you're there to do. Right. Okay. Very good. Well, I'm actually meant to ask you about UL. Obviously, you won the O'Connor Cup there. Uh, was it 2017 or so? But what's it like at college level? Like when you look at the kind of the team lists, I was looking at the other day for a Division One league. Even it's just the talent that's there from all the different counties. What's it like being able to play with girls from other counties? And how close is it to senior intercounty football? Is it the same standard? Is it you know? Is it that a little bit below? You know, what is it like at O'Connor Cup level? Um. Yeah. It- it was class and like when when we were playing in UL um do you know what that's one that's one environment where the men the men's football hurling camogie and ladies football were like part and part like they were on par with each other everything that they got we got like everybody got the same thing and I just thought that was that was class to be around first of all but yeah playing with girls gas like you just live you we lived in each other's pockets we spent all our time together we were we were I don't know probably, it probably wasn't healthy but um so it was so much fun and like those girls that I met in UL like the likes of Eva Scally and um Lisa Crowley Maria Curley Fiona McKenna like these are all people I lived with and um played football with in UL and like they're friends that I will have for life again you you have the same mindset you're all of the same mindset and you're going through the same so you're experiencing the college journey very different to the majority but ye as a small bunch are experiencing it the same way and that just makes you very very bonded really close so yeah it, it's it's amazing it's so much fun okay very good a uh, question two what's the best sporting event you've been to and you pick one as a fan and one as a player um I was so probably recency bias but obviously as a player um I think even though we lost I still think being in Crow Park and all our final day is uh an unbeatable experience but oh maybe I might be pipped at the post by winning the division two last year walking up the steps of the Hogan actually is just yeah that is just the stuff dreams are made of um and then I was in Crow Park um when Shawnee Shea put the ball over the bar to beat the Doves in the semi-final this year. <laughs> you had to pick that one, didn't you? You just had to. <laughs> they're recently biased. They're the most recent thing. But yeah, they were. There were some good sporting moments for Kerry this year. <laughs> sorry, Willa. <laughs> it's all right, it's all right. We'll, get, we'll, be, we'll be back, we'll be back. Um, is there anything on your bucket list? Is there anything you'd love to go to? Obviously, uh, the Olympics is coming up. I've just applied for tickets, but is there anything on your um, bucket list you'd love to go to, whether it's uh, kind of a team sport or uh, individual sport or anything? Um, geez, the Olympics, I haven't even thought of that. That'd be unbelievable. I'll, I'll, send, you, I'll send you the link <laughs> for the, the tickets. <laughs> Jeez, that would be absolutely class. Do you know what I'd be more interested I'd love to go to the Rugby World Cup. Um, 
I, I don't know. I just, I love the, I love watching the international rugby and yeah, that'd be class. Um, sporting wise, that would be, that would be unreal. And then, um, bucket list, the bucket list of other things is, is extensive, but I'd love to do, I definitely at some stage need to get, get a bit more traveling in. Very good. Uh, question three, what's been the biggest setback or challenge so far in your career and how did you react to it? Um, when I was younger, I tore my cruciate and I think that was really tough. I found that was probably the biggest setback. Um, I probably didn't handle it very well and I was really young and um, I, was, I was like 17 or 18 and I probably didn't use the resources around me well enough. They were there and I just didn't look for help. I didn't ask for help when I needed it. So that was a pretty big setback, I think. And then, but I got through that. And then biggest challenge, I think is a different thing. I think that's something to be embraced. I think probably losing last year's final is a, poses a huge challenge because you have to be able to pick yourself up and dust yourself off. But um, that is a challenge that I'm very, very happy to be able to embrace again this year. That's a really good answer. I like the way you split the two. Are you more motivated by success or let I call it failure, but a challenge? Let's say, let's say for example, are you more motivated by by winning Division Two, or are you more motivated by losing the All Ireland final? Oh, that is tough. <laughs> um, I think. Oh God, I think it probably can vary a little bit. Um, but probably, probably the losses drive you on to get what you like that it is that elusive thing that is just ever so slightly out of reach is that thing we just haven't gotten our hands on yet and you know you're kind of isn't it like the the carrot with the donkey you're kind of just you're always trying to get that one thing that you just haven't gotten to yet so probably that yeah okay very good uh question four kind of on the flip side then what's been your biggest achievement on or off the pitch um i think on the pitch, I think like in terms of sport, in terms captain and Kerry last year was just so privileging. I, I like it was just such a privilege, and like I was saying earlier, I still get butterflies thinking about it all and everything. But yeah, so that was a huge one, and being part of the team, playing for Kerry last year was just unreal. Um, and then, and then off the pitch, I think um, I went back to college. I did a master's, and I did you know have found a career that I love so I'm doing I'm an occupational therapist now and um I I like I was saying I loved Australia but I came home from Australia to to sit an exam to try to get into my master's and when I got into that I was so relieved and I was just I was pretty proud of myself for getting through that master's so that's probably a big one off the pitch. Uh, question five uh, looking back what advice would you give your 18 year old self? Um Again, what I probably would have said to the younger players coming in, like just just have that have that confidence in yourself and and sort of enjoy things while you're in them. Now I've gotten to learn that you have to enjoy things while you're in them. Last year embraced it so much. This year embracing it so much because you don't know when it's all going to end. Um, which is that's a bit of a that's a bit glum, but like <laughs> like you don't. So just to to embrace and enjoy everything that you have. I, I definitely towards the end of college, I was really getting the swing of that and just was loving every minute of that. But at the start, it's tough going. You, and you you can find it difficult in things. Um, but just try to touch base with people a little bit more and see get linked in, get connected in with more people if you have to, if you need that, and then that'll help you to be able to enjoy where you are. 
Okay, very good. The question six, who would be your dream dinner guest and why? You can open up the table to a few people if you want. <laughs> um, I wouldn't mind uh, sitting down with Michael Jordan. I feel like he was, uh, do you know what? I have a bone to pick up him. I don't, I didn't like, I didn't like how he treated his players, his teammates. Okay. Um, loads of people are like, oh no, he, does, he just had to be that way. I was like, no, no, he could be that driven. And I think he didn't have to be so ruthless. So heartless, um, but that one's definitely a bit controversial. <laughs> yeah, would would they have won the six championships? Do you think if he was a bit nicer? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah, is this is what you have to ask him. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I thought I'm, and I've had this argument with people. I was like, I think he was a bit of a bully, and people are like, well, No, he wasn't. I was like, Well, I think he was. <laughs> yeah that's fair um, that's fair and yeah you're, I think you're right people would agree with you like maybe his teammates or something but that would be a, that would be an interesting conversation yeah. Um. anyone else uh, even like ones like Jacinda Ardern having the ball say like no I need to step away and then just around how she managed all of the those negative comments towards her and everything like that that was mad like that's just mad so kind of probably that's a bit topical um, but just as a female leader I think she's very impressive that she was able to manage it for so long and then how she does deal with all that. Um, I think there's a lot to learn there. They'd be probably two key ones at the minute that I can think of. Okay, very good. Final question before I let you go. You've been so generous with your time. If your life was a book, what chapter would this be called? Um, <laughs> if uh, In terms of my whole life in general, it's definitely... Um, somewhere in the middle pages but I don't know if, if we're thinking sport in terms now we're coming towards the I'm gonna say the pinnacle hopefully the pinnacle yeah. okay, so that's the like sport it. in terms for for this year I think that this year yeah well I'm gonna go with the pinnacle okay very good no pressure or anything yeah. just <laughs> the, the expectation there <laughs> uh, but Anna thanks a million for joining me in the podcast I'm really glad we got to sit down and, and do this and best of luck with the year ahead Thank you so much, Orla. A big thank you to Anna for joining me on today's episode. You can find all of her social media links in the description box below. If you are enjoying the podcast, please do leave a rating and a review over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as it does help the show grow. Check out our new website feature on the One to Watch series available over on thesideonlive.com slash one to watch.